Welcome to the Disruptor Series podcast, Adweek's agency podcast of the year. Every episode, we listen to and learn from people who are disrupting business, culture, and life. Here's your host, Rob Schwartz, CEO of TBWA Shy Day New York. All right, well, thank you for tuning in. Our guest today is David Byrne. David Byrne is a writer, strategist, creative director, content maker, and most critically for today's show, the founder and editor-in-chief of AdPulp. David, welcome to the Disruptor Series podcast. Thank you so much, Rob. What an honor to be here. Looking forward to this. Yes, very much so. So I, I want to just get right into your disruption, if you will indulge me. And here it goes. We've got Ad Age, we've got Ad Week, we've got Campaign, we've got The Drum, we've got Media Post, we've got LBB. Why does the world need another advertising publication? Excellent question. Our point of view is unique in the sense that AdPulp is written by me and other practitioners. So it's the insider's look, the insider's view. When I write something or somebody else writes something on AdPulp, it's the things that we actually do. So we're not traditional trade journalists. We're hybrid, part journalist, part ad person. We're living through this stuff that we then float up to the website. I love that. So you're in the trenches and they're dispatches from the trenches. Correct. And, you know, we try to also, I, I should say, the trades really look at your agency and agencies like yours. If you were to count them, the number of agencies that are covered by Ad Age and Ad Week and the rest, I would say maybe 300 at the most. Once in a while, somebody else slips in there. My point of view as a practitioner um, who's not famous, who doesn't have a bunch of trophies on my shelf, is there's a lot of what I might call ad grunts who are out there grunting it out. And they have a story to tell too. And I'm here to tell it. All right. So, so let's just back up a little bit. So ad pulp, what, what is this thing? How, how would you describe it? It's an industry resource. Back in the day in 2004, when it started, it was a blog because that's what they were all called at the time. But we've moved through that phase and most blogs are dead, at least ad blogs. My point of view is that we've got to help ad makers see things, think about things, talk about things. So it's different in that way. But it's, uh, all right, so it might have been kind of born in this blog moment around whatever, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. But when I go to it today, it doesn't feel like a blog. I mean, it feels like, you know, a publication. Well, Thank you. It's meant to be a publication. It's, it's currently laid out in a magazine format, you know, via the WordPress template. But I'm covering so many different pieces of the industry that I don't feel like um, just the top-down uh, chronological flow is necessarily the right way to present the material. What do ad people want to read and look at? They want to see the ads. So I've got to have a place to go do that right away. Also, we want to, uh, the serious among us want to analyze what's happening. What are the trends? So I've got to have that in there. So if you look through the homepage, there are different categories, social media, content marketing, ad people. We love to hear about ourselves. Don't we? Very good. Yeah. I was just, as we were chatting, I was just, uh, cause we're, you know, we're working in this interesting, uh, Zoom format here. Yeah. You've got, uh, about the ad legends content. We're going to get into ad legends a bit later. 
Okay. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's just laid out like a magazine, and uh, yeah, really smart. Thank you. So now we chatted a bit earlier, and uh, you told me that you had some struggles with your positioning line. Now you've come through it with this piece of know-how, and I think you mentioned the word practitioner. Maybe talk a little bit about why know-how makes AdPulp so relevant. Mm-hmm. So the line is advertising news and know-how. So in the beginning, I didn't have the know-how part. It was daily juice for the ad business. So I was playing off that pulp of the juice pulp and what's happening. Well, let's, it was the water cooler idea. Mm. Let's talk about it. But today, 15 years later, no, we're a resource. And why should you, Rob Schwartz, read it? Uh, why should anyone read it? Um, because it's not just, here's a commercial. It's what about this commercial might be better? What about this commercial is terrific and we're celebrating? I do a lot of celebrating, uplifting, and promoting. Um, in the beginning, I may have thought, oh, this is a chance to you know, talk about ads and you know, toss around some negative comments and stuff. But you know what? We all work really, really hard for our clients. And there's 20 factors before that ad is produced. That ha- there are 20 different hands in that ad. I've got to respect that, and I've got to respect the maker and uplift the maker. That's why I come to this project every day. It is a side project, but I spend several hours a day on it. Well, I think it's interesting what you say, because I think that there is, you know, a rush to be snarky and who can be the snarkiest. And your, you know, AdPulp kind of came on my radar in the last crisis. And that, frankly, initiated my conversation with you here in this current crisis. And I had originally seen AdPulp's power in that you were constantly sharing on social media, here's a job, here's a job here, here's a job there. They're looking for a job here you know, in the Midwest, looking for a job here in Florida. And I remember at the time thinking, wow, this really is kind of a, a great resource. So I think your, you know, your emergence, at least in my world, was as somebody who was bringing positivity not without a point of view, but positivity to the world. And I think that is really smart and refreshing. Well, thanks again. And, and thank you for reading for 12 years. I, I really appreciate that. I think maybe because I am positive that you're willing to come back and others are. We've certainly all seen the agency spy model play itself out. And certainly on Twitter today, plenty of room to say all kinds of horrible things about whatever you want. So in the beginning, we used to have wide open comments and see now that now they're Facebook comments. So I've got to, I've got to know who you are for you to comment on my site. Um, and in generally, if I don't know who's speaking, if it's an anonymous article, for instance, I see those out there. It makes no difference to me. If I don't know who's behind it, it's nothing. An yeah. anonymous article. I see them, I'm sorry, on Digiday. Okay, who are you? You got to stand up. You've got to be yourself. So anyway, we used to have these anonymous comments just flowing in, and there was a lot of negative. Um, So I had to become a a moderator right away, right away. Back in 2004, 5, 6, 7, 8, people with the wide open WordPress comments where you didn't have to identify yourself would say all kinds of stuff, and I would remove it (laughs) immediately because that's not what we are. 
Yeah, it's it, it's it's its own subculture, and I think that um, you know I, I liken it to uh, to sports radio. You know, we're out there, we're we're players, we're out there every day. So uh, the fans are out there, and then they can take shots at us because uh, you know we're out there swinging. I think the you know the problem is that people can be just so vicious and and so negative, and they don't really they don't really know half of what they're complaining about. They don't really know. Agreed. Until you've been in that boardroom and seen six months of your work go down the drain, literally that quick, it's a shock to your system. And until you know that shock, you can't report on it or share it properly. Now, I respect the trade journalists, believe me, fully. But as I just said, have they ever spent six months on a campaign that a client, for whatever reason, killed? Probably not because they don't do that work. So even if you interviewed me about that or you about that or another person about that, there would be a level of human compassion, but a lack of understanding, true understanding. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Now, one of the other uh, initiatives that you're working on, again, I thought this was another disruption, which was your promotion of young journalists. So maybe talk a little bit about what you're trying to do for young writers in the business. Yes, thank you uh, for the opportunity. Just recently started, I thought, with people graduating right now um, with COVID-19, good time to find a way to find emerging writers and pay them. So calling this um, the Emerging Voices Project, and what I'm doing is I'm reaching out to various professors and others that I know, and I'm looking for students, grad students, students who are about to graduate, grad students and recent graduates in advertising, media, or marketing, who would like to write for Adpol and get paid. And the way that that that's gonna work is that I now have set up a Patreon page, thank you for the tip, and it's patreon.com slash adpulp, and you can learn more about the program. Behind the the genesis of this program is me going way back two and a half decades to when I was first paid to write. And I remember that extremely well. It's a very powerful moment, a very powerful moment for any writer or creative to sort of cross that bridge from, I've done all this writing, but I've never been paid for it. Mm. Um, So I remember that well. I was trying to break into the ad business and showing my spec book around Portland and, you know, not really making the kind of progress I'd hoped to make as fast as I hoped to make. Some of the people, either they took pity on me or whatever it was, but they gave me some assignments and they paid me to write brochures and other sort of low-level entry things. But it was so important to my psyche because now I had the check in my hand and then in the bank. I was a paid writer. And then you can actually say you're a writer because you're getting paid to write. So I wanna offer that. I wanna offer that to 22 year olds, 23 and four year olds who have an interest in our business and an interest in joining our business, an interest in talking to people in our business and writing about it, making videos about it. Now bringing that to Adpulp is gonna help Adpulp right? Because I've been doing this a long time. I want to hear from younger, different, more diverse voices right now. Yeah. Well, I think what you're doing first is, is, is great for, for the writers. No, no question. So anybody who's listening, who is a young writer, who knows young writers, send them over to adpulp.com and, and learn more about uh, this Emerging Voices Project. What 
I also think is really powerful that I'm seeing is this emergence of new voices. So I'm sure you've seen uh, this woman, Taylor Lorenz. I mean, you can't you know, not look at uh, social media and not see her work out there. And I'm seeing lots of younger voices, very prominent on social media. And it's like a reverse internship. Like I'm learning so much from them. And I really think that Adpulp can be this place where you incubate these young writers. And the best thing that can happen is the more established places start plucking them from you. Absolutely. That's the plan. We don't have employees or a staff and probably never will, but that's irrelevant. It's relevant that we move from free labor to paid labor. So plenty of people have written for Adpulp for nothing. Mm -hmm. I thank them very much. Uh, thank you if you're listening now. Um, I care so much about paying writers that I just can't do that anymore. Yeah. Well, I also think that it gives incentive to raise the quality. Because I know uh, as, as going from university writing to getting paid to be a writer a thousand years ago when dinosaurs were on the planet when I started, I really knew that I had to up my game because someone was paying me for this. Correct. And, and this is also the other thing is I'm going to work with you as an editor. Right. Wow. So I'm, I'm the lead writer. I, I'm, I'm the co-founder. I'm the editor and the publisher. But this is a chance to work with me. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's appealing or not to everyone. Uh, but what I mean by that is, is you're going to send me your text. This first piece, by the way, I signed yesterday right. to, to a, a student who's about to graduate in England who uh, sent me his clips. He's already written for The Guardian. So you can see how this is already developing nicely. He's the right person to reach out to me and show me that clip. You know, my response is, well, you've written for The Guardian. Let me read it. I read it. Great. Please write for me too. But he's going to send me something next week and it's going to go through a process. Yeah. yeah. That's not what a blogger all by himself does. They write something, boom, it goes up. Now, for me, it's a little weird because I'm the writer and the editor, so I have to edit myself. And, you know, I'm my own worst critic, so I try to do a pretty hard, <laughs> hard edit. Of this is where being bipolar, you know, really comes in handy. I guess. Exactly. <laughs> or I mean, multiple personalities. Well, I think this is going to be a great program. The other program I'd like you to talk on a bit, too, is I love your idea of the legends. And uh, a couple of months ago, uh, I got a packet of postcards featuring beautiful illustrations of Mary Wells and Hal Riney from a guy named David Byrne. So I thank you for those postcards. But what is this program? Glad you got those. <laughs> um, those, were, those were illustrated uh, by my friend Jason Walton, by the way, in Portland, Oregon. And he's an illustrator. And like all of us, uh, we're all out there looking for work. So if you need an illustration, Jason Walton at Waltoons, he did such an amazing job for me on this. But what's the program? The Ad Legends Workshop is a live workshop. So it's, it's not currently an online workshop, although there's some probability. You have a choice. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I really, in the beginning, I wanted to do this live. And the reason I want to do it live, it's a half-day workshop, three-hour workshop, is because it's meant to be interactive, interactive as in we're supposed to discuss it. Uh, the material. So what I do in the beginning is I, I run through some of the ad legends, which you just mentioned, 
uh, Howard Luck Gossage is one, Rasa Reeves, Leo Burnett, Bill Birnbach, Helen Lansdowne Reeser. I run through the history in order to help anyone who doesn't have that background or that knowledge sort of learn some of the fundamentals mm. of business. What did these great people teach us? And then, then the second half of the live workshop is trying to take some of their lessons and their work and apply it to today's issues that people are having in the agency now or an internal creative team. So that's why it really is meant to be live. So I can stand there and hear from the room, hey, you know, I love that one spot that you showed by Mary Wells. Can we talk about that in this safe environment? Um, we have clients that are doing strange things and we'd like to talk to you about that. So it's a three hour live workshop it is really about grounding all of us in the fundamentals of the business. People like you and I, Rob, maybe just need a little refresher. What we have found, though, what I've found is there are a lot of some of these younger people, for instance, coming in who just don't know some of these things. For instance, you might ask some of the younger people, do you know, uh, this would be funny for you, do you know what 1984 is or means? Now, it seems so obvious to you and I what the answer is, but believe it or not, there are lots of people who have jobs in this business right now, and they, they would not answer that correctly. So the workshop is designed to really just give us all the same sort of basis to work from. These are the things that happened. These are the things that are happening. And now what does it mean for you now? How can it make you better now? How can you make better work right now? based upon these people I, I, talk. I think this is great. And um, you know, as I was thinking about our conversation and uh, when I was reading about Ad Legends, I'm sitting here going, you know, if you were a theater student, well, you would learn about Shakespeare. You know, and if you were a novelist, guess what? You'd be reading Fitzgerald and Hemingway and Roth. And comedians, okay, you're gonna learn about Groucho, you're gonna learn about Joan Rivers, you're gonna learn about, you know, Dave Chappelle. But, with advertising, for whatever reason, why are we allowed to fly blind? Just in the most general sense, we're invisible as makers. Our name isn't on it, mm. uh, which is why we have to give ourselves awards and stuff. <laughs> but our name is for this on year. <laughs> yeah. So just for the general public who's looking at a commercial, they don't know about Shy of Day. They only know about the brand. They only know what they see. Now, why don't the makers? Uh, who are serious about this study that, that's a different question. And I think there are lots of advertising programs and, and postgraduate type finishing schools, et cetera, that are supposed to help. Although do they end up helping in the way that we really need? Because, you know, I looked at Portfolio Center and one of my thoughts about that is, yeah, but there's a type that comes out of those schools, a type of book. And what I'm thinking is, okay, that's a good safe choice then. But safe choices have gotten us where we are Yeah, in this bind. How about, how about we don't do the safe choice? Yeah. No. And I, and I think the, the closest we've gotten recently is, you know, Jeff Goodby and Rich Silverstein doing a masterclass. You know, that's the first right. evidence of, okay, we can, you know, maybe art and copy that film. It's a great movie. If you don't know art and copy, go see that. But when I saw the masterclass, I thought, okay, maybe, maybe we're, we're, we're starting to get there. But I think learning about the people that you reference in the ad legends, it's not that they're just a bunch of old people in this business. 
their ideas are evergreen. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you've got me thinking right now, because we're in the middle of this crisis, and you mentioned this earlier, you know, Leo Burnett started Leo Burnett in 1935. Mm. 1935. He also, uh, in order to do that, sold his house, leveraged every single thing he had. And with eight creative friends, no account people, not one, hung out his shingle. Mm. Okay, so if Leo Burnett can be born in that chaos, and here we are today, we know what Leo Burnett is today. So there is a fantastic example of, uh, from the past. Well, why did he do that? He, he had a, a safe, secure job, three kids. He lost it. He was in Indianapolis. He lost his job, the Depression. Hmm. He scrambled. He moved to Chicago. He figured stuff out. And sooner or later, his friends said, we have to start a company together. And he said, how are we going to do that? We don't, we don't have the resources to do that. And the rest is history, right? So there's so many of these great stories. Howard Gossage, an ad man, helped to save the Grand Canyon from flooding. There would be another great sort of trivia in the agency. Which ad man, you know, worked with the Sierra Club to save the Grand Canyon? And who is this guy and why should we know about it? Yeah. You know, uh, fun fact, you know, Shia Day was started in 1968, you know, during a, a severe economic downturn. You know, it's interesting what you can forge in a crisis. And uh, maybe the Ad Legends class, you know, maybe there's a, there's a crisis component that uh, you could start teaching, uh, you know, starting this week. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. I have an opportunity, I think, like others, to do deep work right now. Partly my opportunity is just not having enough paid work. So there I have room to do what I'm calling this deep work, where I take Adpult to the next level. I write a book. And that's another thing. I have an ebook coming out or just a book because I plan to print it as well. And that's going to be the Ad Pulp interview recaptured and retold. Fantastic. Uh, so it's going to be 20 conversations with advertising icons, rebels, and legends. And that's coming out next month. That's so, awesome. I didn't so, even know that. I know. You're breaking it here on the Disruptor Series podcast. We love that. That's, that's right. That's right. And I'm going to ask you to write a blurb or possibly the forward. More news. Excellent. I would be delighted. So tell me, uh, now that I know about this book, which I didn't know about, I'm going to have to put you on the spot. Is there, is there a lesson from anybody interviewed? Or is there, was there something that was super surprising that you could conjure up in this moment that you thought, oh, my God, when so-and-so told me X, Y, or Z, bam. I would have to go read, read through the copies. <laughs> but I think if there is a lesson, it's this incredible perseverance that we have. Um, advertising is a rough sport. <laughs> People get beat up. If you don't get beat up, you're one of the lucky ones. So resilience and perseverance are common throughout uh, the best people in the business and the people that I'm attracted to and want to talk to. Well, good. Well, that's a perfect segue into your journey, which uh, has been a journey of uh, resilience and, and, and perseverance. So, I mean, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, how you got started in, in this whole thing back in, looks like, what, 1999? Well, I appreciate the question. I'm going to try to keep this one relatively short because I literally can go on and on about this. Uh, first, let me say I didn't want to do this in my 20s. I 
I thought of advertising as something very corporate and of the man and why would I want to be part of that? I started out in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill working for American Rivers. So I just, it was in this sort of different mindset. But you know what was weird about that is that my job was doing their direct mail, their posters and everything else. Saving the world one brochure at a time. That's right. So anyway, long, long story short, I was 29 years old. I'd had some jobs in the environmental movement um, in Washington, San Francisco. I was a ski bum for a while in Utah. I found myself in Portland and I really was like, what am I doing? And what am I gonna do? <laughs> and I found Janet Champ at Wyden and Kennedy. I saw what she was doing for Nike's women's line. And it was, in my view, poetry, legitimate poetry that just so happened to be sponsored by a brand. Mm. Um, that was incredibly powerful. And I wanted to do that. And I wanted to talk to her about doing that and how she yeah. got that job and that gig. And, and she was incredible. And she met with me. She helped me. She was the very first person who looked at my book, which was, you know, not really much of anything to look at. Well, what Pardon. a mentor. I mean, one of, the, one of the best, you know, writers in our business ever. I was so excited by her help. And I was pretty certain that, you know, one day I'd be working at Wyden and Kennedy. I had to sort of unlearn that. You know, she had to do what she had to do and feed me to the portfolio keepers. And, and they were pretty brutal. Told me to go to Portfolio Center and all this other stuff. What I ended up doing was doing it my own way. I ended up making it to Salt Lake City. And uh, in Salt Lake, my book was really different. The agencies are run by Mormons. I'm not Mormon. I have very different points of view <laughs> and it was expressed in my book. And so all of a sudden, my book that wasn't doing anything, I remade it. And in Salt Lake, everyone I showed it to was like, oh my God, this is great. I love this. By the way, you were the example of uh, diversity uh, in, in Salt Lake. I was. I, I ended up uh, at a place called Blaine Olson Wiker, and I was, I was one of three non-Mormons. Interestingly, the agency was above a brewery, so I could smell the beer all day long, but they don't drink. Um, but I do. Uh, so anyway, it started like that, and it was, uh, it was an interesting and difficult ride to get that break, and I worked there for a bit. I learned a lot about how to be on strategy. Uh, I used to do all these funny things, and they would laugh and pull them down, the little tissues, and say, do that on, on strategy, and, you know, we'll sell it. Um, so that was an incredible way to learn, and I, I'm fortunate. I went from there to Integer Group in Denver and worked on Coors for many years. So I did a bunch of Coors radio, point of sale displays, and everything else you can think of for Coors. Um, and that was also a great education. That's great. And then, uh, and, and then at Pulp, what, what was the impulse for that? Uh, yes. Um, eventually moved to Chicago. And after ha having probably the worst job I've ever had in the business, and we'll leave them unnamed, I was between jobs. And it was 2004. Uh, I remember at the time, paid content and Rafa Ali was someone I was sort of looking at as a guide. And he had a great website then. And Sean Hartley, a colleague of mine and I said, we can do this for the ad business. Mm. So our intent right in the beginning was to, was to have a business. It, it was never intended to, to be a web log. It was intended to compete with ad age and ad week, but in a, as we've talked, by bringing in a new point of view, the practitioner's point of view. Great, well, good. Well, that's a good story. We appreciate it. So at this point in the show, we like to uh, we like to ask our guests to give one piece of advice. We've got 
some CMO listeners. We've got some young people listening. We've got some people in Sweden listening for whatever reason. We don't know why, but they are there. So okay. uh, okay. advice. Excellent. I could go a million directions here. But let's, since I'm a copywriter at the core, let's go there. The advice is tell your story in one compelling sentence. So that's very difficult to do. It's very difficult to do, but why would we even try to do that? It's because people have a million things bombarding them and they just don't have room to hear all of the things that you want to say. And they're not going to hear anything at all that you want to say unless you get that first part right. Mm. You've got to nail your proposition right away. And it's got to be elegant and attractive to people and interesting. And it's very difficult to do. So writing copy is like poetry. It's this super dense condensation of meaning. Very good. I like it. I like it. Well, I would say that you're, uh, you're a writer who's going to make it happen for a lot of other writers. That's my intent. And it's, it's an honor to do that. When I really think about what, what, what do I care about? I care about that. All right. Well, good. Well, listen, you're on it. So I think, uh, between the ad legends workshop, which I think is really just a wonderful idea, Emerging voices, I think is great. Let's get, let's get a lot of new people thinking about the business and do it through this beautiful vehicle called AdPulp. I think if you don't know it, you got to go there. And if you do know it, I think you should, you're probably getting a little newfound respect for it. So, uh, David, we appreciate all you're doing and thank you so much for being on the show. Well, Rob, thank you. This is truly an honor. And what you just said there, you know, Thank you for reading. Thank you for helping me get the word out about all these things. Um, I'm, I'm glad that we're friends and you're reading the work that I'm putting out there. Thank you so much. You got it, brother. Thank you for listening to the Disruptor Series podcast, Adweek's agency podcast of the year. Craving more disruption? Visit us at tbwashydayny.com.